Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we are Monday and back off a long holiday weekend. Holy weekend. And uh, and it was. I'm hoping everybody, you know, uh, had a chance to really, uh, you know, get into a state where they learn to appreciate uh, those things they hold dear and near to their hearts, including their loved ones. But, uh, you know, we've also had cases, obviously, where some folks living in uh, deathly fear that they may lose their loved ones. On that matter, by the way, of the nursing homes, uh, did have somebody, and I lost the caller, Angela, who wanted to say, as a PSW, she is working on minimum wage. So I guess to disabuse the caller, Jennifer, who was saying, well, they're organized, they're unionized, and they're making big bread. Uh, So there may be a difference here in terms of uh, the type of care, whether it's private or public, and so on and so forth. Against that backdrop, let's get Adrian Batter in here, the editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun, to uh, assist us in just unfurling a lot of the issues that have surfaced in the last little while. Adrian, how are you hanging in? I'm doing very well, John. How about yourself? Yeah, likewise. Uh, all working from home, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're doing our best in this, uh, I don't know, socially isolated case. But, you know, I was talking about the... Uh, the elderly and how outrageous it is that mm-hmm. some of these people, you know, the way they languish uh, and meet an untimely end, certainly when it comes to this COVID-19. The story out of Quebec, 31 deaths in that one nursing home where the owners, uh, you know, they've been slow to comment. It's a crime scene now. I was just wondering how the orderlies there, some of whom abandoned their post, would you charge them? How would you deal with something like that? Or are they absolved of any responsibility and it really goes up the chain to the, the, the owners? I think under normal circumstances which we're not under of course you you could go after them criminally you could hold them um responsible for negligence and and you know um you know abandoning abandonment um and ensure that in in the future they were never ever able to get another job in in a capacity in in a long-term care facility that would all be under normal circumstances but would um, would there be that opportunity to do so right now? Um, the courts are ostensibly shut down. We have vast majority of the law enforcement is focused towards um, ticketing people for violating social distancing versus holding people accountable who, um, you know, took an oath in order to to take care of, of their patients and in in this ter- in this case those individuals in the long term care facilities. So. I would say normally yes, but right now, John, I don't think we would. Now, with that said, I think what we will see is a number of these long-term care facilities that have, you know, have had been derelict in the past. Um, you know, we're going to see family members, you know, raising the red alarm, raising red flags, and making sure that um, people are aware about what's going on or has happened in there. Because if there's anything we know. Um, safe for it being a whistleblower inside, vast majority of these places and organizations are very protectionist and are not going to draw, try to draw too much attention to themselves. And, yeah, but let and me so just ask, well, on, yeah. that, on that one level, you know, when you've mm-hmm. got somebody, and we just 
had a caller who uh, dropped off because uh, we're working you in here on a timely fashion. She was saying as a PSW, she's working for minimum wage. And that mm -hmm. was really my question, whether these people who are you know, making 15 bucks an hour and perhaps don't have any benefits or whatever, uh, if they abandon their post, is that understandable where they don't want to bring anything home to their own loved ones or even put themselves in harm's way? You kind of understand that impulse on one level, don't you? Well, I do. I get the human component to it, and I'm not going to, um, you know, I don't want to judge someone based on, you know, their own individual decisions. But on the other side of this, um, I'm not a nurse, or I'm not a long-term care facility worker. I'm not an orderly in one of these um, healthcare facilities that has an obligation or a duty. I would try to find a replacement before I suddenly just walked out and said, "To hell with this! I can't. I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore." That, but that's, I suppose, the difference between me and that uh, that individual that had done that. Um, but again, these are extraordinary circumstances. Uh, you know, uh, you and I, every week that we've been talking about this, we, we share anecdotal stories. You know, I have friends that are healthcare professionals, and um, one was telling me how there's, a, of course, a number of nurses that are not comfortable going in um, and because they either don't have the PPE, they don't, they have young children, they don't want to take it home, um, they're worried about that stuff, but they understand that they have a responsibility to um, fill that gap, fill that hole if, if, that, if, that, if they choose not to show up. Um, that doesn't yeah, but, but a nurse case. is a professional, yeah, and we get it, and duty-bound in that regard. Uh, look, when you've got no PPE and you're making 15 bucks an hour, I kind of get that. I think the owner then uh, has to come to them and say, I'll double your wage, whatever it takes. Let's just get through yeah. this and uh, yeah. retain the dignity of the people that we're sworn to look after and are paying exactly. us a uh, big bread to be here. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure there are some people who are thinking, you know what, instead of making minimum wage, I can always go home and collect the CERB. It's going to pay me two grand a month for four months. You know, not to be cynical about it, but there are a lot of folks who are saying, what the hell, you know, it's going to, I'll come out ahead if I just stay home and away from this impending danger. So yeah, I get th and there and that that plays into a lot of people's psyche right now as well. With Adrian Batcher, editor in chief of the Toronto Sun, close to home up in Willowdale. Anyway, we've got uh, four people who've been tested positive in a refugee shelter. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know what we make of this. I guess uh, nobody's impervious to to getting it. Uh, but I mean, there are a lot of questions dealing with people who are coming into the country. Uh, even those who are migrant workers now, there's a certain uh, apprehension about allowing these people to come up from Central America into the country, as important as they are to food processing and picking and so on and so forth. How do we deal with them? Do you think it's adequate that we say, well, you know, if they're showing symptoms, uh, we'll test them. They're supposedly going to be tested before they get on the flight from Guatemala or wherever. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think that's adequate or do we have to strike a balance because these folks are so necessary to our agribusiness? Uh, this is a tough one. This is really, really difficult. Um, look, uh, just on the on the first point with respect to those in refugee shelters getting um, COVID nineteen, I don't think there's any value in relitigating when we should have shut the border. I think we all know that it should have been sh shut sooner rather than later, including to those who are all coming over illegally. Um, as far as this, this is a whole separate level that has exposed us, uh, exposed us in our, in our not only in our supply chain, but overall in terms of shelter spaces and our our system in general. Um, I, I'm confident that the the testing is accurate, so that that's fair. But if there isn't a means by which we can get those people who are already domestic and in in the country at home 
that should be the first course, I would think, before we before we're bringing um, someone into the country to do a job that I think, quite frankly, can be done here. And I know that that makes me sound like a protectionist. But right now, I think that that's what the country is calling for. And frankly, we need. So I would with the policy that they have, I would revisit that and be there's a lot of people that want to work that can't right now. And this could be an opportunity to to put some people who are here in our own backyard um, back to work. Why is that not even on the table? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, Pierre Polyev, who's the finance critic for the Conservative Party of Canada, he had a press conference earlier today and he was saying that ought to be the, you know, the primary response, or uh, the initial one anyway, is try to get domestic uh, work rather than importing it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, would we find enough people who want to work for, I guess it's minimum wage too, out in the fields, uh, picking whatever, and versus the CERB, which has given them 500 a week uh, for 16 weeks. You know, it's an awkward question, and I'll dial back to it, whether or not uh, this may be I don't want to say overly generous, but it's got a certain pitfall built into it, doesn't it? That people may actually game the system or do we care at this point? It just flood the put liquidity into the system and we'll worry about details later. Yeah, well, I think that it seems to be the latter right now, that they'll deal with the details later. Um, but I think this has been always the argument um, that we've had with respect to a guaranteed basic income, right? I mean, that there will be those who just simply want to take advantage of the system. But on the on the one hand, um, we are in this extraordinary circumstance where people are being asked to stay home and stay indoors and not go out. But over, as the longer we stay in this situation... And I've no doubt that you are talking to your callers are saying this to you on a uh, um, regularly. I want to get back to work. I want to get. Um, we need to open up society. We need to um, open up the economy. These things need to happen. Um, I don't think the vast majority of people want to be relegated to staying at home um, and and yet dealing with this um, health crisis at the same time. I don't know what the balance is, John, but. I mean, we need to hear more people talking about opening up our economy as we're testing more, as we're going to be testing for antibodies as these things happen. Um, the economic crisis that we have now had to deal with is is going to be have to be dealt with in generations. It's devastating. Well, this um, is it. This so. is the delicate balance that has to be struck or arrived at, and uh, it's not science but it's an art and uh if well yeah you get the timing... and if you sound cross if you say uh get back to work and then on the other hand we still have this global pandemic i mean you sound crass about it well except that no this this uh argument if you will uh or talking point is gaining more and more favor in certain places like spain where the epidemic is still raging they're bringing people back on stream and into the economy uh i mentioned just before you joined us the governor of new york como uh, is talking about uh an orchestrated effort between new jersey new york connecticut uh pennsylvania may be in there as well they're all going to roll it out in unison so you know it's not a patchwork quilt where one precinct does it and the other doesn't they're going to do that in you so they're talking about trump's been talking about it he'd been vilified but now that everybody else is sort of building that into baking it into the pie knowing the necessity for that is imminent uh we're going to hear more and more of this i mean there as i said it's an art form because we don't have all the data necessary to really make uh fully informed decisions but against that 
Adrian, I'm going to let you go because uh, this mm -hmm. one's not, you know, it's going to continue to fester. I'm sure we'll pick up on that point before too long. Uh, I appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Always look forward to it, John. Thank you. You got it. Adrian Batra, Editor-in-Chief of the Toronto Sun. Wanted to give some time here in a moment before the top of the hour in a news update at 4 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk to the Chief Policy Officer with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. Obviously, uh, looking after the elderly, first and foremost, when it comes to these long-term care facilities where roughly half of the deaths have been recorded, uh, the epidemic is most appreciable in those facilities. So we'll see what we can do going forward, what we're learning from all this. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.